episode 106, doesn't seem possible, of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. You would think by now I'd have this thing memorized Mm. 106 times Um, saying it. You've tried it memorized a few times, and uh, I just feel more comfortable giving you the script. (laughs) Only thing we have scripted in this whole thing. (laughs) And I think it's a great reminder how my communication works. Mm Mm-hmm. With my strategy, with other themes, with of in- course. You have high individualization, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the high influencing strengths where you might want to adjust it every time, or you might have different things that come up, different ways that you tell your stories. Yeah. One of my superpowers is memorization. Hmm. Like, I can memorize an entire yeah. play, even if I'm playing, you know, clearly mm-hmm. just playing mm-hmm. one part, <laughs> but I'll memorize the entire play. So I'm curious about how, and you know me with the PowerPoint, Mm -hmm. I don't really need the words, but I do need the words behind me. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So thanks for always providing me the script, Tess. Of course. Of course. Um, So I think, you know, last time, which was just about a month ago now, uh, February 17th, which seems crazy, and we're here on uh, March 16th, uh, I really appreciated the discussion of truth and the relativity of truth and what credibility looks like, what gives us certitude. Um, And I think we had talked in that episode about how this was a conversation we've had several times, but I don't think so. And, and I, I appreciate some of the questions that have arisen and, um, in, in how we define truth, in talking, we went on to talk about our inner critic. Uh, and then we kind of challenged ourselves, and this is a question that you, you've you used in coaching and you've used recently. And I had never heard you use this word, I think, or this question, it's a more recent question for you, but I've been, been pondering it. And, you know, and it's this question of what got you to today. And we kind of in that episode decided that that's where we'd maybe start this episode is by answering that and talking through that. I think I've done really similar exercises of charting out life stories. Uh, I've been on retreats and in workshops that have asked us to chart five high points, five low points, chart a timeline of our lives. Um, chart uh, significant moments, significant relationships uh, throughout. And I always appreciate those exercises, especially someone with high context, right? But I I think I really love this question a little bit more in terms of how it frames this kind of exercise of what got you to today. Because it, it allows continuity between the past and the present in a way that exercises like life history or charting of a timeline don't quite do, right? It's a very past-focused activity. Uh, and and what I also appreciate about this from my philosophy and theoretical kind of background, my intellectual background, is that it's very vague on purpose. That there is not direction of five high points, five low points, or chart out your timeline. There's a... a an interpretability to this that's on the part of the individual answering the question. And so, uh, so I'm excited to hear how you answer it. I think in a little bit of our green room background, uh, you gave a little bit of a clue as to how you answer that. And 
I think we might have uh, similar takeaways for how we answer and how we include what we include and how we answer that question, but also what seems to be missing in our answer of that question as well. So um, I asked you to go first um, strategically because number one, <laughs> you've had more uh, more time with this question than I have. You have answered it before. Um, and so it will help me develop a little bit of context as I, I, I took lots of notes uh, on my answer to this question, but also it's it's helpful to frame it a little bit as well by hearing someone else's answer. If you if you don't mind going first, Allie, I love that. I also when I listen back, of course, as I do to these podcasts, I think, wow, it would have been beneficial had you taken some notes so that you maybe had a little bit of flow and direction with what you had to say. But that wouldn't be authentically me. Mm-mm. That's not how I process. That's not how I gift information to the world. It's it's better off the cuff. And I have posed that question, you know, tell me how you got to today with a lot of my coaching clients. And I do that with intentionality so that they can give me the high points, the important pieces. I think that the vagueness of that question also very early on in a coaching relationship allows me to understand what they really need most. So one of the things I first want to, two things I want to recognize before I answer the question. One is my high connectedness. Mm-hmm. So you're going to hear that throughout. That connectedness was originally named spirituality by Gallup. They changed the terminology to connectedness. It means we have an understanding of the web of life. Yeah. So I will preface my response with knowing that I have high connectedness. I also want to preface my response with the awareness that it's very simple sometimes when we start to think about how we got to today, but in simplifying it, it becomes almost like the concept of doing breath work. Mm -hmm. Like when we find out we can actually reduce our stress by simply breathing, Mm -hmm. it's too easy. We're like breath work. (laughs) What? It's, it feels like BS because it's, Mm -hmm. it's simple. It doesn't cost anything. I kind of see the way that I answer this question in the lens of my life would not be what it is had I not had massive struggle. Mm. That may seem a very simple sort of response to this question, but I choose to see the moments of struggle, the moments of pain, the moments of difficulty, the moments of trauma as very shaping. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm beyond grateful to have been given the superpower of forgiveness. It's a survival tool for me, but it also has shaped the way that I see struggle. So when you ask me how I got to today, my arrival in the world was based in conflict and struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, I was born in a situation of, of struggle and, and deep despair to be quite honest. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I've learned to own and appreciate about my story. So how I got to today is I was not really supposed to arrive in the world as a planned person, but as a result, uh, I believe that my impact as unplanned has affected the lives of many. So I have a lot of full circles um, in my world. And I give tremendous gratitude. Um, So I'm going to name some of my full circles. Tremendous gratitude to my biological parents who went through a lot to 
have to go through adoption in 1975 and all of the, I mean, just extraordinary hardships that were unnecessary, Mm -hmm. particularly uh, for my biological mother to, to have me. And then I was adopted at seven days old into farm life and farm life brought tremendous learning and peace for me, but it also reminded me that life is fragile and accidents happen and life can change very quickly. So I lost my dad at a young age, um, in a farm accident And, um, as a result, my mom remarried and I became a big sister to, um, to four remarkable humans. Mm -hmm. They have a lot to do with how I got to today. They were my first students. Mm -hmm. They were my first coaches. They were my first coaches. They were my first, um, opportunities for data gathering. They were my social experiments. Mm -hmm. They were they were part of the container that was my world for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I recognize now that I'm older, the influence that siblings have Mm -hmm. in, in our lives. Um, I was very fortunate to meet Lauren and Sean's dad in high school. And I was also fortunate that he broke up with me on Valentine's day, 1993, so that I could end up at Doan college. Mm -hmm. And at Doan college, I was once again, in an opportunity where people saw the best of me. Yeah. In high school, elementary school, high school, I was surrounded by strength spotters. Yeah. People who said, Allison Horn, one day you'll use that verbal exuberance for good. <laughs> Allison Horn, why don't you write a story? Allison Horn, why don't you give a book report? Mm-hmm. They helped to really aim my talent in a way that made me feel unique. My kindergarten teacher made my adoption story feel unique positively. Mm -hmm. So I had all of these adult voices outside of my family dynamic, which was pretty traumatic and difficult. All these adult voices that were like, I see the good in you, Mm -hmm. aim it, get to college. Same thing. A hardship led to me being surrounded by people who were like, I see the good in you, Mm -hmm. aim it. I find out I'm expecting Lauren spring break of, of, um, two, 19, she always gets so mad at me because I forget the year she was born. 1996 spring break. She is, she comes into the world and I have a group of teachers who say, I believe in you. You're not quitting. Mm -hmm. We see, we see you. Aim it. And, uh, as a result, a lot of magical things happen. Fast forward, I'm a mom of, of two little kids. I am involved as a parent and an elementary principal says, I see you, let's aim it. As a result, person who trained me and teammates years prior says, I see you, let's aim it. Just, I know that it sounds too easy for me to say how I got to today are truly through strength spotters and mentors. And that just so happens to be the work that I'm in, Mm -hmm. but, but that's how I'm here. And that includes the people who probably don't realize that they were mentoring me or giving me opportunity. Mm -hmm. Those that probably hurt me the most gave me unlimited opportunity to build resilience. Mm -hmm. They taught me, how I show up 
not so positively. They taught me how they show up not so positively. They, the realness of life, mm-hmm. I think, has been presented to me through the lens of other humans. And as a result, I am where I am today, helping people to be their most authentic self. 2008, 9-ish, I developed alleology, which is the study of me. And I was thinking about this, um, you know, as to how I got to today. Alleology is now my LLC. Um, Alleology has been my blog for years, but it's the study of me. And I will forever be learning that as a result of all of these people saying, I see you, go get it. Mm-hmm. So I think um, how I got to alleology has been a continuous process that, that will always be growth and development mm-hmm. with hurdles, yeah. with heartaches. Um, growth mindset something that I teach, but it's also something that I've been lucky enough to live. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. how I got to today. Awesome. I love the the note of other people and of mentors, uh, I think interwoven in so much of that is, you know, are, are, are your strengths, are uh, the talents that not only were innately in you, but were also then developed and spotted by other people. Uh, love that you ended with your blog and your creative outlet your muse your uh some of these things that that have arisen from focusing on that yeah it's awesome i can even hear my own connectedness in Mm -hmm. the description of that Mm -hmm. but i do think tess the gift of growing older is to look back and see if we are honest enough with ourselves to truthfully reflect in how we got here, Mm -hmm. we will see a lot of those moments that felt like hell as the best teaching, the best learning, the best lessons that you can't speed up. I I would love to wave a magic wand and wish for, for zero trauma or heartache to happen to my children. But it's in those lessons that you truly develop that authentic self. Yeah, absolutely. All right. How about for you? How did you get to today? Okay. So I, I got to today. I think it's interesting that you prefaced with things coming full circle. Uh, I have high connectedness, right? Number six. Uh, but I think my strategic thinks linearly. So as I sat down to answer this question, I, my brain automatically segmented my life into uh, location or season or lo- or time frame. So I, you know, wrote down my hometown of Owatonna and I talked about, I, I thought about how, I thought about the people too. I thought about mentors. That was my theme throughout was the people who encouraged me and mentored me and lifted me up to make me, to empower me to get where I am today. So in, in Owatonna, I thought about the people who said, you know, you can do anything that you want to do. You can, you know, you're talented and hardworking and you can you know, apply that and, and do anything that you want to do. I mean, my first mentors were my parents who instilled that in me, my family. Um, I thought about a, 
you know, teachers I had in elementary school, my, my aunt Lynn, who I called Mrs. Lattery in the classroom is my fifth grade teacher who, whom I've talked about on the podcast before. Like she was an incredible mentor to me. Uh, my middle school, uh, religion teacher, Mr. Smith, uh, was very formative in my, in my growth and my development, um, not only academically, but ethically and, uh, personally and relationally. Uh, I think about I had a formal mentor uh, in high school, and um, I and, and her name was Gia, and it was through a local uh, Christian organization. And um, I think about how fortunate I was to be able to have a formal mentor because mentoring then, like it is now, was very targeted to at-risk youth. And as someone who didn't experience a lot of hardships, uh, as someone who didn't experience a lot of difficulties growing up who, who grew in a household that where I knew that I was loved and that my basic needs were cared for and that my parents would sacrifice whatever it is they needed to sacrifice to ensure that I could live the life that I wanted to live. Um, I wasn't labeled and considered an at-risk youth. I was considered a, a high achieving youth. And so to be able to have a formal mentor, I know that I'm really, really grateful for. And I know that that set me on a trajectory uh, for where I am today as well. Um, so after, you know, Owatonna, after my time, I, I can list so many other people. I think about my political science teacher in high school, Mr. Kath, who encouraged me to apply to the Minnesota Page program where I got to work on the House of Representatives floor at the state legislator um, and who I ran into my last week in Omaha. He was in Omaha on family vacation. Talk about connectedness. Uh, no and I, he was walking out of Moolah and I was standing in line for Coneflower. And, and I was like, I think that's my high school political science teacher. And I said it to my friend who I was standing in line with. And his son was right behind us um, waiting in line for ice cream as they were coming out. Uh, they got in line. And, and so he went over and told his dad. He's like, I think you know that person. So, so anyway, um, or that person knows you. So the connectedness there. Um, but then I think about uh, um, I think about my time at Creighton. I think about how I went in pre-health and pre-med because people told me I could do whatever I wanted to do. And so, of course, what do you do when you're a high-achieving young person is you say you want to become a doctor. Um, and and the discernment <laughs> that happened when I'm like, I could do this, but I really don't want to do this. And so, um, you know, people like Dr. Murray, uh, Dr. Danielson, these incredible professors at Creighton who – um, really helped me help me find my you know help me discover and then nurtured my love of social science um, and then encouraged me on whatever path uh, that led me on. I think about uh, during that time an overlap in my locations was also teammates halfway through my time at Creighton. Uh, I had a random interview for a work study externship and I ended up clicking with my interviewer, Suzanne Hintz. And so when I was offered internships that summer, I decided to take that one and it led me to a cubicle with you and Gigi, <laughs> uh, not a cubicle, a workstation in a room with the two of you uh, that, and who you, uh, the two of you, you know, encouraged me and mentored me and lifted up my strengths. And when I decided to go full time, uh, with teammates while I worked on my master's, I can so vividly remember Gigi saying, I still want to meet Dr. Tess one day and encouraging me to continue to work towards, you know, you know, work towards a PhD, work towards uh, investing in, in, in that. Um, 
I think about then the overlap of teammates with um, ACU, with my master's. Um, and I think about, again, incredible professors and mentors uh, like Dr. Aquino, my advisor and thesis chair, and his emphasis on critical thought and engagement and philosophical inquiry into the larger questions of life um, and the encouragement of fusing that with my love of social science. Um, and then I think about uh, um, Howard, my time here, uh, my inc incredible mentorship from Dr. Adams, um, Dr. Jipkup, uh, Dr. Manuel, these professors who, you know, being here almost now two academic years who have seen my potential and invested in that from a really early uh, time. Um, and then along the way, I think about incredible friendships and relationships. I think about my friends Alex and Cammie who've known me way too long and still somehow want to, uh, to be a part of my life. I think about you. I think about um, Megan Smith and Micah and Shireen. I now think about my people here, Elizabeth um, and Alexis, and of course now Ryan, these people in my life who have who have seen me and showed up and and been a part of my life and and really when I think back it's it's people who got me to today um, it's mentors and relationships um, that got me where I am so that was my initial thought and initially what I wrote down and then and all of that's true and all of that's accurate of my story and then I looked back and said I haven't once credited myself I haven't recognized my own passion and my own drive and how I've committed to living a life of integrity and my own thirst for knowledge and how that propels me forward. I haven't credited my pursuit of justice and equity and identifying and breaking down systems that lead to inequity and injustice in our world. And so, yes, people got me to today. But also, interestingly enough, while I was bored in a class this week, I downloaded my full 34 report and started reading again. And I don't think I've picked it up for several years. And so I am where I am because of people, but I also am where I am because of investment in talent and investment in self and commitment to showing up in the world as authentically as I can. And so it's the both and. Um, it's the, I know that we do not live in a vacuum and we're nowhere is where they are um, because of their own merit and their own talent, right? We all are where we are because someone helped us to get there or someone pushed up against our talent or didn't recognize it, right? And that propelled us further, right? Or propelled us in a different direction. But we also are where we are because of our individual work and ethic and personhood that, that led each of us to where we are today. So the both and is where I ended up. Uh, others as well as, as self. I so appreciate the reflection time that you gave this and am just kind of struck by the the irony of you and I having similar themes, but also in the green room we talked about, I, I said, when I have answered this, the pushback I receive is, and where are you naming your own resilience? Where are you naming your own talent? And I wrote down a couple of things that I would like for our listeners to contemplate as well. 
I think what we both are describing in a lot of ways is agency choice. Mm -hmm. It's choice. So way back, I don't even remember when we talked about, we talked about ACEs. Mm -hmm. And recently I was listening to uh, the Huberman Lab podcast featuring Dr. Sarah Gottfried. She is brilliant, by the way, but she talks about the things she's a, um, I mean, truly a practitioner of health and wellness. And she, he asked her, um, Huberman asked her, you know, what would you recommend people learn about? Like what tests should they have? She'd recommend a nutrition panel, uh, mm-hmm. Cleveland heart test. But she also said, know your ACEs score. You should know your ACEs score. Mm-hmm. And I heard this and I thought, no way am I listening to a podcast around brain science yeah. that they're mentioning this because you should know honestly what you're dealing with. But we've talked about this before. Trauma is relative. It's all Mm -hmm. perspective. And what I hear in both of us is a willingness to choose that I, I often question, I think I mentioned that I said I I was gifted the superpower of forgiveness. Mm. We were all gifted the superpower of choice, right? And if I go back to my catechism learning, it's because Adam and Eve screwed up that I have the opportunity to do that. But we are gifted the opportunity to choose. So instead of choosing blame or, you know what? I said I was going to be a doctor, so I guess that's what everybody expects of me. So I guess that's what I'm going to do. We chose the the pathway that maybe was not as well paved. Yeah. The other thing that I noted, I mean, your context and your learner are just so clear, which I, I love in you, but your context, like you, you made like maps, mm-hmm. you're, you're making maps. And in my head, I'm like, wow, if I made a map, that'd be pretty screwed up. But at the same time, I remember part of the reason I came to a love of this question and asking it Mm -hmm. is because Lauren had come home from school when she was in middle school, having to design a family tree. And she said, I don't even have enough circles here for you. What what do you want me to do with this? Mm -hmm. And she, for me, on my behalf, created, what's that called? The family circle tree thing. What's yeah, that? Family it's circle. Tree. Well, but there's there's the graphic itself um, has a name. The circles and the lines. Anyway, she designed one for me. Oh, like a genealogy? You mean? Kind of, but okay. You know the word I want. It's not Venn diagram, but it's something you know describing the circles and the lines. And she said, "Mom, here's yours. I thought you might want to have this." And. Over the years, the number of times where I've said to people, just a second, let me bring up my, my family tree to make this more clear for you. I am so lucky that that question that she brought home, which initially really irritated me, Mm -hmm. led me to an appreciation of my map and your map is, is quite different than mine, but I love that we both came to kind of this recognition of, of the road mm-hmm. and yours happens to be in location. And I think mine happens to be in like maybe some heart spaces locations. Um, the other thing that I noted is the, I see you, you can, I love that you named people by name because I often wonder if people 
know the impact of their voice. What happens when you say, I see you, you can, I believe in you, it's possible. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that someone told you that 700 times every day. Yeah. It may have been one small conversation. Mrs. Weber was part of my life for, you know, just third grade, really. Yeah. And the influence she's had is, is remarkable. So the both and reminded me of both being help made and self made. Mm -hmm. And I think in order to have a full and meaningful life, there is both. But it's remarkable to me that we can be so very different and have some, you know, ironic similarities, but also mm -hmm. that power of choice. Yeah. And we all know people who are in that space of not realizing their own resilience, their own opportunity to choose yeah. a better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. good I think when you sat in the green room your lack of acknowledgement of your own personal talent and resilient and investment um, I did not say that that's exactly the conclusion I arrived at as well <laughs> intentionally and that's why I was like I'm glad I'm glad you're up for going first because uh, because yeah I think um I think there's part, there's something, and, and we talk about this, you know, when we've, you know, met with students and, and mentees around their strengths, and, and even when we've done, like, trainings with mentors in the past, that there's somewhere along the line in which talking about your own strengths and talents, it's labeled as egotistical or self-centered or bragging. bragging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think part of my learning of my year of integrity and part of my learning that I'm still trying to grapple with has been this idea of thinking my of myself rightly and correctly and because we not only have this this inner critic like we talked about last episode right that's consistently downplaying or consistently having this uh this negative self view as well um but also the flip side of that, right? That I'm sure a lot of us know people and have experience. And I think I, I, I meet these people a lot more in DC than you, than I did in Omaha of people who think, uh, think very highly of themselves, right? And credit where they are due to their own hard work and not recognizing the opportunities that were presented to them or the fact that due to their own social location of their race and socioeconomic status and so on and so forth, that they were given a leg up already, right, structurally and systemically. And so I think that that this idea of thinking of yourself rightly is, to me, how I would define Tessology. The study of self, right, that that it's not just self-awareness is the most underrated thing that we can do, right? Which is the mantra of you and of this space, right? It's, it's that self-awareness isn't just about knowing ourselves better. It's about correcting the extremes, right? It's about finding the most authentic and the most truthful self-conception based on the correction 
that is our inner critic and based on the reality of matching the internal with the external of what people see, right? Because integrity, integrity, yeah, right. It's about, yeah. And I think like my, my spiritual director always encourages me to do this exercise and I, I would adapt it because not everybody, but believes what I believe. But the, the title of the exercise is looking at God, looking at you. And, um, it's this idea that to help correct the inner critic to it's, uh, how would the divine see you? Like put, picture yourself in that place, right? Of what, and I think you could do that with anybody, right? Put someone or an abstraction of someone in that place, right? And that's kind of what I did when I was doing answering this question, right? Of like, if somebody came to me with this as their, what got you to today? I'd be like, where are your talents? Where are your strengths? Like, the list of people that you just listed were not with you at every moment of every day. They weren't with you when you wanted to make a choice to not work when you needed to, to make a choice to not show up when you needed to show up or vice versa, right? To make the choice to rest when the world was telling you, you needed to push through, right? Like these people weren't with you all the time that there is, you know, part of where you are today, a lot part, a lot of the part of where you are today is also because of you. And so I think this idea of looking looking at you through the lens of someone else, you know, picture someone else or picture the abstraction of someone else helps to correct this conception of self as well. And so I think that's something that I'm I'm learning and something that I I will forever be learning, right? Is is the most correct or accurate or the most truthful self while balancing the external with the internal takes me back to um, asking Ryan at dinner the three things he loved about Tess. Um, There's nothing like a relationship, particularly if you think back to the newness of you and Ryan. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, in newish space with Rich and the, the perspective that he brings because I am new to him. Mm-hmm. My entire world is new to him. So mm-hmm. I will often say, tell me what, what, what are you seeing? And he's a very quiet person. But when my anxiety is through the roof, I mean, he, he knows it before it even gets to roof point. And he has really amazing um, complimentary partner attributes to me. He just, he almost sinks into a further calm mm-hmm. when I ratchet my anxiety levels up and I'm, you know, the, looking at the universe, looking at you from anyone else's lens, <clears throat> this is the practice of our own preach, yeah. right? This is, this is where self-awareness truly meets the road is to do that kind of reflection. The other thing I just have to point out to you a time and time again, I know integrity was your word of the year during that chosen year but it is you personified everything that you've described and how you got to today. When you look at your deep passion for truly wanting the world to be a more integrous place, you came into our, we have a strengths team meeting every Thursday, 7am my time. Um, and I asked you to join our space because our, our team had some really important questions and curiosity about you and they just want to learn from you. I, all I could hear, all I could hear 
was integrity. Mm -hmm. And you know, how did we do this? How did you go about starting this? What would you have wanted for strengths? You know, after you left, what have you thought about? Every response you gave to us, and it, and it isn't coming from a script. It's just your soul radiates integrity. And I don't know that we give enough credit to that kind of character. I, I don't know that we do. Because I think a lot of life is just the busy going from one thing to another. And, mm -hmm. and the pause point that all of us experienced in COVID mm -hmm. led a lot of us to question not just our own integrity, but the integrity of those around us. Yeah. So when Gallup talks about the, you know, their terminology is the great discontent regarding the great resignation, mm -hmm. I think a lot of that comes down to personal integrity. Mm. That you live in. That's testology. You are just, you emulate it, but you also are so aware of it. And, you know, maybe where forgiveness is my superpower, integrity is yours. Um, but I just want to name that. I hear it. It's one of those beautiful things that once you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Because I have a lot of things in my life that once I see it, I can't unsee it in not the greatest of <laughs> scenarios. Like once you see a narcissist, you can't unsee a narcissist, but you know, once you see integrity, you just I hear it. So I would love for our listeners to really think about what's their ology. What's a word or two or a phrase or two that exemplifies the study of you, the learning of you, the authenticity of you. Yeah. And I think, a. I think a practice that really, really helped me identify that because I can, you know, when I, before the year of integrity for me, I, I knew that it was something that I really valued and believed in, but I didn't realize how central it was to my choices and my life navigation. Like it, it's just been there forever, um, implicitly and became really explicit as well during that that year of my life and but part of that was doing practical reflection exercises like I remember doing a values bracket which seems so simple right but going through you know you can you can google one listeners if you haven't I know I've encouraged this exercise before and, and I use it a lot with people that have high belief um, right that they to identify and to name the values that are unchanging in their lives. But I think, you know, all of us come to the table with values and naming them and identifying them, I think is really helpful and has been helpful for me because it makes choices easier because everything is evaluated. And that's, I guess, the definition of integrity for me being a value, <laughs> right? Everything is evaluated based on its alignment with my values. Um, and my, you know, number one in a bracket of values is integrity. So I think it's really, it's helpful, especially when things come into conflict that you're right. There's so much of our life path and so much of what got us to today, but also so much of what will get us to who we are going to be a year from now is, are the small choices every day or the big choices, right? That might be presented to us. And, uh, sometimes those Con, you know, conflict with one another. Sometimes they butt heads. And so um, being mindful of what wins out and why 
in those situations, I think is, is a really revolutionary practice of self-awareness. It's also just becoming so obvious to me, and I'm sure to a lot of our listeners who are well-versed in strengths, how our strengths shape the picture of the past. Yeah. Yeah. And both of us named teachers. We both have high learner. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about if I was to ask someone else about their, who they would list in their list of how we, I got to today, would it be more populous in the educator bracket or would it be more bosses or would it be more friends or family? Mm -hmm. I just was thinking strength shape our picture of the past and in such remarkable ways, if they are in a place of, you know, my terminology is above the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, your context below the line could see negative Absolutely. impact Absolutely. and choose to focus on, focus on that. Um, again, back to the, I see you, you can, I hope our listeners think about who has said that to you and think about who you can say that to. Mm -hmm. I mean, who, who needs to know Mm -hmm. that they are capable, believed in. Um, I found that one of my favorite questions is now with my kids is to ask them what, what's something you wish people said to you more or what's something you Mm -hmm. wish you heard more. And resounding, it's, I'm proud of you. Yeah. I've been asking that question of adults, you know, like, what, what do you wish people would say more often? And that phrase, I'm proud of you. It's such a reminder of our own capacity. And um, mm-hmm. I think you named that quite beautifully. And I, I hope that the people who you named have the opportunity to listen to your voice speak to their impact. Yeah. That's awesome. Great. I mean, I think we peppered a lot of questions throughout. I don't know that I'll recall all of them, but I think uh, the main takeaway is to, like we, uh, we noted at the end of last episode, is to really take time reflecting on this question of what got you to today. Um, and then I think uh, a question taking that learning forward too is also uh, the question of... of um, what do you wish you heard more from people, right? I think that's a pretty revolutionary question, right? Because when you identify what that is, you can tell the people in your life <laughs> what that is, and then maybe you'll start to hear it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty awesome. Anything else, Allie, you feel like you missed? Oh, my heart is full. <laughs> you know, I just... Lately, I think the right reminders are around me that the, the hard paths often lead to a discovery along the road you would have least expected. Absolutely. That is, um, a tremendous change in your life. Um, you know, how I got to today, I think, what will this look like when I answer that question five years from now? Will I have the same perspective? Will I have even more abundant gratitude? Mm 
for the people who said, I see you, I, I believe you can, I believe in you. Um, it, you get closer to 50. Wow. I just said that out loud. You get closer to 50 and you have these weird sort of epiphanies like, wow, I'm, I'm not 25 anymore. You feel it in your body, but you also just start to look around at the world through this lens of, at least for me, not scarcity, but abundance. Like the world becomes for me anyway, as I get closer to 50, so much brighter. Mm -hmm. And I hate the years that I wasted seeing it as dark and rigid or seeing it with a lens of anger. Um, I mentioned today to our team, I I wrote this down and I don't remember where I read it or heard it, but guilt is the least helpful emotion. It's just, it's not productive at all. Mm -hmm. Guilt and remorse, um, do the opposite of what we're talking about here. So instead of feeling guilt for the, um, the years wasted or the time wasted, Mm -hmm. I have abundance, abundant gratitude for the way that it helped me get to today. Awesome. I love that. Well, I am really excited to hear, and I really want to encourage listeners to share anything that that came out, if it's how they answered that question or just what that process was like, what they noticed in how they answered that question, maybe about what they included or what they didn't include, what they noted, what there was an absence of as they answered that question. I think it's um, I'm excited to hear what people think and hope that you all reach out to us as you um, partake in this activity. With that being said, we want to thank you all for tuning into episode 106 of Jen and Millie. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend. To interact with us and share the responses to the question that we posed, give us a follow on Instagram at Jen and Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. Until next time.